2: Hello everybody and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast on Rotovis Radio and brought to you by Blue Wire and of course our lovely sponsors, the FFPC, BetOnline.ag and Blue Chew. My name is Dan Sanio and I'm here tonight with the loveliest of people, the grizzliest of men, Mr. Nathan Powell. Nathan, how are you? 'm I'm,
1: I'm splendid uh, mr Dan uh, I've seen my grandmother-in-law a couple times in the last couple of days and both times she's like you need to shave the beard <laughs> the first thing she says to me so um, you know uh, that message is getting uh, across I'm very close to letting my fiance do the trimming
2: it's it's definitely gotten to that point I know uh, across the nation across the world people are people are are striving to get their hairs cut I'm very fortunate enough that my wife happens to have done that in uh, uh, her past life so uh i'm you know i'm i'm freshened up here and there but it's nothing great this isn't a haircut podcast this is a dynasty trade cast that dynasty was a pretty
1: dynasty cut cast coming to a <laughs> <podcast near> <laughs> <you>. <laughs> that's
2: all gonna be cut just trying to throw in some interesting stats kind of like the ffpc stat attack which happens to be this week that 35% of the Dallas Cowboys receiving yards have been left vacant going into the 2020 season. Also... The FFPC is home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty Best Ball and, of course, the world-famous FFPC Main Event. To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And, of course, we've got a handful of tools at Rotoviz here designed specifically for the FFPC domination. So make sure you head on over to the FFPC and get signed up. Today we are going to be talking about some more rookies, believe it or not. But some of these rookies have some veteran counterparts that are going to be affected by these rookies coming in. Most importantly, some of these running backs, uh, a lot of them went to places where they kind of already had someone a little bit in place, someone a little bit established, maybe not necessarily a a big-time player, but certainly something that uh, I think Dynasty players uh, across the map had a little bit of faith in, and then now some of these guys come in and uh, take some of that smoke away. And then, of course, some of the wide receivers, especially the big ones, it seems, went to some crowded landing spots. And uh, that'll be interesting to see. I, I think those offenses in particular will will look mighty fine come whenever we have an NFL season. But it's definitely an interesting talk. So today we are going to be talking a little bit about veteran losers or or really the guys maybe as perceived losers and we're going to start off at the top with one of the hotter topics of the running back destinations. And I think something that's relatively split among owners and, and analysts alike. And that is uh, Kishan Vaughn in Tampa Bay, where dynasty sweetheart Ronald Jones currently lives. So Nathan, what are we doing here? Do we think this is a timeshare? Um, you know, Historically with Arians, I don't know that we've necessarily seen that. I think he likes to lean on one guy rather than multiple guys. But the way the NFL is trending, maybe both of these guys have a role. Is Vaughn's third round draft capital enough to boost him up over Rojo's second round draft capital? Uh, what are we doing here?
1: Yeah, most people know that my general dynasty strategy is to feel it out. Feel out what's going on, and I don't like Kashawn Vaughn as a running back. I don't think he's that good. I think that he's a weapon in the passing game, both as a blocker and as a receiver. But I don't see him as a three-down back. I don't see him as a guy who's going to be getting 20 carries for the Buccaneers. And my t- So my takeaway from the Ronald Jones, Kashan Vaughn, Raymond Klayas— is that Ronald Jones is the value here and then Raymond Clayus is the nice stash while Vaughn is the overvalued one.
2: I completely agree. We we've had the conversation about Vaughn being pretty overvalued. And while it, it makes the most sense for these guys to kind of be a one A, one B, where I see Jones more than likely kind of dominating the the between the tackles work and Vaughn you know taking over. A lion's share of the the work in the passing game. I don't know that there's going to be enough volume really there, especially when you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, whatever happens with OJ Howard and Gronk, and uh, I mean you've, you've got all of the weapons there, uh, and you bring in Tyler Johnson, who could play a substantial role. We don't know. We we you know that's kind of going to be seen as we move forward. But uh, Vaughn's value to me is is that of someone just to get him in space, I don't see him as the high end between the tackles guy. I'd much prefer Jones in that uh, in that outlook. And I think last year we we got to see enough of Jones to know that he's capable of doing it. The problem was that offense was so hot and cold and like just disjointed. It wasn't really built to run. And now with Brady, who basically has cement block strapped to his ankles, it's it's not going to be a whole lot of the scramble, a whole lot of the run and gone. It's, uh, I mean, they're going to have to lean a little bit on the ground game because Brady's no spring chicken. And I, I think we saw a little bit of that downturn last year. And um, I, I don't know. Vaughn's Vaughn, someone I'm avoiding, especially yeah. at his ADP.
1: If, if there is a negative indicator for Jones, I think that it's the fact that it sounds silly to spend a third round draft pick on a running back who can block, but I think that was a significant significant factor in the Bucks using a draft pick at running back as early as the third round because Bruce Arians didn't want to go into a season with Ronald Jones as the guy protecting Tom Brady in in, in dropbacks, which once again probably silly, but if there's one like positive indicator for Vaughn is that he's gonna get a lot of that passing down work because of the fact that he can block. For sure. So I think I think the
2: trade cast consensus here is is probably I mean unless you're getting Vaughn like mid second or even you know a little bit later than that which he hasn't been falling I've been seeing him go earlier and earlier uh, as we move forward as that running back fever continues to linger I think Rojo's a really nice value I think you can get him for for really darn cheap right now so uh, keep an eye out for that our next spot is going to be the Indianapolis Colts drafting uh, I think perceived 101 and Jonathan Taylor in one QB leagues and what um, what existed I don't think exists for very much longer and that is Marlon Mack a lot of high hopes especially amongst the best ball um, folks in in Mack and then you get the crushing blow of many people's RB1 in Jonathan Taylor so this one's a, a tough one do you think there's there's greener grass for Marlon Mack or do you think that this is just kind of the end of his leash.
1: I'm not sure with Marlon Mack. Like, I, I think he's good enough to be a 1A1B in an NFL backfield. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be the best running back ever. He's not going to be as good as Jonathan Taylor. But I, I think that there is room for growth next offseason. Because you don't spend an early second round pick at running back if you're going to re-sign your running back. They're not going to do that. If they do, they'll re-sign Hines for cheaper than they would Mack. Uh, so the way I see the, the Mac Taylor situation is that I don't think Mac's a great buy right now. Cause you'd basically be sitting on a year. I, I you know, it's, at, at best he'll be like a flex by a week option. Um, and I think that, you know, I would try and buy him before free agency where he possibly could go to a, a attractive landing spot.
2: Yeah. I think if you can find a Mac share sometime between like early to mid ish season up until like your trade deadline, I think that's going to be the time to buy. Once Taylor takes over, you know, it's it pro, it'll probably end up going to like a 60-40 just to keep Mac interested and involved and, and get a little bit of wear on the tires uh, because they are paying him, so you might as, well, might as well use him because they know that he works. But coming to the end of his contract, why not bring in the best guy? Uh, that was available for this draft. So I I think, yeah, I think Mac is in that, you know, like week four to week six up until your trade deadline. Go get him then because at that point he'll be kind of deemed obsolete. And you'll be able to get him for much cheaper because if you wait too long, you wait until, like Nathan said, if you wait into the free agency period and you see kind of where he's potentially headed, he'll instantly become
1: more more
2: expensive. Probably not more expensive than he is now.
1: But he's not it's not like he's going to rocket in value into a top 24 dynasty running back, but he will gain value whether it's, you know, valid or not by landing in a spot that's not behind Jonathan Taylor.
2: What if he goes to new England?
1: I, mean, I think it's a good spot for him.
2: Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I feel like that's almost destined because he's like, if Sony Michelle was good. Um, okay. So I, I don't think anyone's hating on the Jonathan Taylor valuation right now. I, I think you're going to take him one Oh one to one Oh three, depending on, You know, who you like and where you like them. And then max value, obviously, is going to be to buy in a few months. Don't buy now. You probably could buy now, but then you're just going to be sitting on the egg for longer. um, And it's not going to hatch for a bit. So our next stop is going to be in Los Angeles uh, with the Rams, who moved on from Todd Gurley. And after drafting um, Daryl Henderson last year and now bringing in Cam Akers. And spending some capital on him. This one, this one to me was kind of interesting. I think people were in love with Daryl Henderson, even though we didn't really get to see him. And, and there was a lot of just assumptions being made that it was his backfield the second Gurley got cut. I think I don't think that's unfair to make that assumption because they drafted him high. I mean, it's not like the front
1: office changed. They spent two third-round picks on him.
2: Right, to, to move up. and I mean, you go up and get your guy, and now all of a sudden you bring in Cam Akers. So this, to me, feels like McVeigh moving to the committee, you know, approach. Obviously, having Todd Gurley was a luxury, but you've got two pretty good running backs. I still think Cam Akers is a bit raw, but, I mean, he's going somewhere where he's actually going to get coached, so that, that definitely helps. Um, Henderson felt like he was relatively polished coming out um obviously a a lot of wear on the tires just because he i mean he had so much usage as it was so this one this one i feel like is going to be a 1a 1b the problem is i don't know who's going to get the 1a portion because that's more than likely the portion i'm going to want honestly the most upside is probably with acres just because of his ability as a pass catcher whereas henderson i think maybe lacks a little bit It's going to depend on what what McVay wants to do.
1: I I will say there were some jokes about, you know, obviously one of the knocks on it, not even Akers, but knocks on Akers college career was the fact that he played behind a terrible offensive line. And that kind of, you know, prohibited him from being a productive back to the levels of some of the other running backs in this class. But the Rams offensive line is also bad. Yeah, they're bad. I, I think that and this might just be, you know, cherry picking things, but if you're gonna look at Henderson versus Akers, I I do like Akers more. I think that if you get Akers in space, he is the better back. But I think if we're talking about if you're gonna give both backs nothing, I think Henderson is better at creating something out of nothing than Akers is.
2: Yeah, I think that's really fair. I think until until Akers kind of gets his legs underneath him and really figures the position out, I think I think Henderson's in the clear lead here, even though, you know, they they spent a lot on both of these guys, which after writing that big check to Gurley and then cutting him, uh, you would have thought they learned their lesson. But here we are. So yeah, the Rams, the Rams one I, I think is a tough one. I think it's just a wait and see. I'm probably not taking Acres where he's going in rookie drafts, and I don't plan on spending even a, a, you know, a late first on Henderson, which is probably what it would take to get him from an owner. Um, I, think, I
1: think there's a chance you could get him for a early second, but. Maybe I, I think, think you I have think to it find it the right about fair. Yeah. You have to find the right but guy. I, mean, I think to it, it, you kind of just have to look down ADP, like I'd rather have i could rather have Higgins than, than Henderson show.
2: So. Yeah. That, that last, that second tier, the big tier of wide receivers. I think I'd rather take just about all of them over, over those guys.
1: And we'll move on to our next backfield. And it is in uh, music city. Detroit, right? No, is that Nashville? I don't know. Um, <laughs> tried to make a joke there, but didn't work. Uh, Detroit. Carry uh, on Johnson uh, had the hit of DeAndre Swift being drafted in the second round of the NFL draft, and this one is not pretty for the veteran in my eyes. I, I think that Carry on Johnson probably had the biggest value hit from like relevancy to possibly irrelevant out of all of the guys we've talked about so far. And that includes Marlon Mack, which is, you know might seem a little crazy. But I, I think that Swift is going to get a hold of this backfield and not look
0: back.
2: Yeah, I wasn't huge on carry on Johnson coming out. There was a lot of people that did like him. It, it There was flashes and glimmers of hope. Uh, I never really saw enough where we were, I think, fully committed. Um, obviously, his value got to a pretty good spot. And then it kind of dove back down and it made me comfortable to start buying. I think I ended up with a few shares. And then held on for too long, and Swift happened. And Swift is probably one of the more complete backs, if not the most complete back, when you're talking about every aspect of the game, between the tackles, pass catching, he's he's going to be able to, you know, whatever Patricia wants to give him, I think he's going to be able to do. I still have an issue with Detroit as a running back, and obviously history has to change at some point, but... I mean, it's just, it always seems like the absolute worst spot. Since Barry, it's been an absolute gong show. And you, we've had so much hype and so many names and so many guys come through. You know, Javid Best, Amir Abdullah, now Carrion Johnson is Swift, the next victim in that. Who knows? But Detroit really likes to ruin careers of pretty much any offensive weapon.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've talked with you about this the last few weeks. I think that's a ridiculous excuse not nope. to draft DeAndre Swift. Nope. Not, it's not that I'm not, dra- not that I'm not going to draft him. I I believe in him
2: in his abilities. My issue is with Detroit, <laughs> which is
1: not Music City. Uh, and Buffalo also <laughs> also not the Music City. Uh, Devin Singletary. We talked about him a bit pre-draft of our thoughts of whether they would end up. You know, drafting a running back, and they end up doing so in the third round with taking Zach Moss. Now, I kind of end up liking both of these guys because I think that both of their values got hit by, you know, Singletary lost value because they drafted a running back on day two. And Moss got his value hit because he's going to a situation where he's probably not the RB1. He, you know, I think many people expected him to go into a 1A, 1B, and that's kind of what he's in. But I think they're, they're, like Singletary is probably worth early to mid-second right now. And Moss is worth a late second, early third. And I like both those prices.
2: Yeah, and you have two very different backs. I mean, Moss is your downhill bowling ball. And you know Singletary is kind of your glorified scat back. So I think they can work well in unison. I think Singletary is by far the better all-around player. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be better between the tackles. I think Moss is, is pretty stout there. I I do think that he's going to have a pretty large red zone or goal line role and maybe the, the short yardage, or even, even if they're just, you know, Hey, this series is, is downhill. We're running all North and South on this one. Singletary, take a seat. I I think we're going to end up seeing some of the split time where they're not sharing the backfield. Only one of them is going to be out there. You know, the the committee approach, I feel like in Buffalo is going to be, is going to be a little bit more uh, divided than it is other places where they're actually putting multiple backs in the field and using them in that in that way. Um, but I, I think here, if if Singletary is being devalued because of the Moss, which he probably should be, but I think he's, re- I mean, pretty clearly for me, the better got the better back. And if you can get him at a discount, I, I think I'm really happy buying there. And I, I don't have any issue with with Moss's ADP. I think he's fine where he's been going.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the argument for Moss would be the fact that he's he's a third-round running back and he's being drafted around fourth-round wide receivers, fourth-round running backs, day-two quarterbacks, you know, and I'd much rather have the day-two running back at that cost. So while I do think that Zach Moss is a good bet to make in rookie drafts, uh, talk about where you should be making your bets, Dan.
2: Well, that is, of course, with our friends Online. Currently, with no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong, because our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas directly to you. Missing the NFL? Well, that's no problem, because BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on things like Survivor and Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Again, that's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online wagering solution.
1: All right, let's move on to the wide receiver position and some shakeup of values. And the first one is one that arguably doesn't have any shakeup. Um, I would argue it does, but we'll go. We'll talk about it. It is Cortland Sutton, who uh, had uh, lots of pass catchers being selected by the Broncos. Uh, first round, Jerry Judy. Second round, KJ Hamler. And fourth round, Albert O'Kogobal. Um So, so I. <laughs> I, I tried to talk through uh, the, on the on the shotcast that Sutton wouldn't lose much value with Judy in town. Although I do prefer Judy as a wide receiver and, and as a prospect, but I think that with the addition of Hamler and to an extent, Alberto, I, I do think Sutton takes a bit of a hit. You know, I, I'm not saying I'm, go, I'm not saying go out and sell your Cortland Sutton shares, but I think this lowers his upside, and I think that you know he's more of like a wide receiver two now uh like i think before we thought this guy is top eight top ten wide receiver upside and i think that he's more so in the wide receiver two camp now
2: sure and i mean denver went out to bolster their offense and obviously getting the premier wide receiver or, or you know top two um that that does that so Sutton, for me, I don't think it changes much. I think he was that fringe wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two guy. I don't think it moves much off of there, and my reasoning is we've actually seen him do it now, and we've seen him do it with some pretty bad quarterback play. Now, that's not going to change a whole lot because Drew Locke's still the quarterback, but Drew Locke Knows Cortland Sutton is has worked with Cortland Sutton and has thrown the ball to Cortland Sutton. He know there's that relationship that that already exists. Now with this weird season, Judy may not have that same connection, may not have the same rapport. And until they move on from Drew Locke, I I think which I think is going to be sooner rather than later. Um, I, I feel like Sutton is going to be his go-to. Now obviously they still have Noah Fant. They add in Melvin Gordon to go along with Philip Lindsay. And there's all sorts of mouths to feed in this offense. I just feel like Sutton's the alpha. And I mean, and I'm not saying that Judy is by any means can't be a wide receiver one in an NFL offense. He absolutely can. But we already know Sutton can do it. We have have to see Judy do it in the NFL before we can say
1: Judy's the better wide receiver. Sutton's going to be the wide receiver two here. So um, since you didn't mention him, I'm, I'm guessing you're like for me, I think that the Hamler addition hurts Sutton a little bit more so than because I, I think he can easily be a one a one B with Judy. But I think that them adding another wide receiver early in the draft means that they're looking to spread the ball out um, with Locke. So uh, I, I do think that there is I and mean, certainly this is kind of an, under the assumption you get some sort of normal training camp, but I think eventually Denver is trying to spread the ball out as much as possible.
2: Oh, for sure, and you want to always have weapons for your quarterback, and and maybe their plan is Drew Lock, and and the only way to survive Drew Lock is to have as many good you know, wide receivers and running backs around as you possibly can. I don't think Hamler does a whole lot to Sutton. He, I mean, he's your glorified deep ball guy. You know, you're you're chasing, you're chasing outliers if you're looking for fantasy relevancy. It's the same thing with Rugs. I mean, Ruggs is a, a you know better pass catcher, but Hamler's kind of cut from the same cloth so that just is a field stretcher for me I don't think he does a whole lot outside of of you know keep the defense accountable for the long ball open things up a little bit more underneath where drew Locke's more comfortable so uh, Hamler to me is a decoy uh, until further notice
1: We'll go on to the Dallas Cowboys offense, who was our stat of the week via our friends over at AFFPC. Uh, 35 percent of the Dallas Cowboys receiving yards have exited, most in the form of Witten and Randall Cobb. And so a lot of the narrative uh, after the C.D. Lamb pick was where are all these targets going to go? Well, that kind of shows like there is some opening in the offense for targets to go. Uh, I, I will say that I, I do ding Gallup quite a bit for the Lamb pick because it's just so hard to have much fantasy upside when you're a wide receiver three in an NFL offense. I do think that this means that Dallas is going to be throwing the ball a lot in the Mike McCarthy offense. So I think it's a great thing for Dak, and I don't think that's you know any sort of hot take. But I think that uh, Lamb ends up being closer to Cooper than he is to, to Gallup, and Gallup ends up being a distant wide receiver three.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think this is to me a high-end version of what we saw with the Rams just a couple of years ago with, with cook a healthy cooks, a a non-concussed cooks, Robert Woods and Cooper cup breaking out this, this reeks of that to me. Um, but with three really good wide receivers instead of one good one, one unknown one, and one that was just kind of, no one really knew what to do with because he'd been on 17 teams in three seasons. So, um, You know, Cooper is an elite slot, but he can play outside. Obviously, we've seen him do everything in the NFL. Gallup is, I think, your prototypical wide receiver. And I mean, he could potentially be a wide receiver one in an offense. And then you get CeeDee Lamb, who is my wide receiver one in this NFL draft, who is absolutely a wide receiver one in an offense. So you have three potential alphas with Dak and Ezekiel Elliott and one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. Yeah, they're going to throw a lot, but you're only going to have a half of it because they're going to be up by 65 points by halftime. Because <laughs> <laughs> their defense, I mean, their defense is good enough. It's, I mean, their defense is solid. It's not elite by any means, but they're they're going to, I think, turn some heads this year, assuming they can keep everything uh, under wraps and, and Jerry's world doesn't burn down for some reason. But yeah, I think these guys can all three exist. I think they all most certainly can be wide receiver twos. You know, maybe maybe a, one of them ends up being a high end wide receiver three, like probably Gallup. But yeah, I mean the, the Dak can support three if if the volume's there. There's no question about that. You, you were ta- like you said our stat at the beginning of the show. There's 35 percent of the of receiving yards to boot, and I mean Randall Cobb had a big chunk. He's gone. Jason Witten obviously was still doing something. He's gone. But like Jarwin returns. You still have Zeke. It's, I mean, these guys I, I think are all going to eat. You know, if you throw around 20 to 24% target share to all three of them and, you know, as good as Dak has been, it's sky's the limit.
1: And we'll wrap up uh, the draft losers with uh, a guy who was probably already losing from not being healthy and not really doing much in his rookie year. And then it further, you know, loses by the fact that they end up uh, the Colts end up taking a second round wide receiver and Michael Pittman. So we're talking about Paris Campbell. I I, I I like Paris Campbell. I didn't really like him as a prospect, but I like the fact that he's basically free right now. Um, he in his, in his range of outcomes was what happened with Debo in year one. You know, he could have had that rookie season had he stayed healthy, had he been given the targets. And so I'm buying extremely low on, on Campbell. I'll give a, a mid to late second for him. And I think that that might get him in some leagues. I, I could be wrong. But at, at this stage, I think that Campbell's a great buy and Pittman going there. I, I don't really love Pittman as a prospect either. But that offense, you know, Hilton has had the concussion issues. And whether it's Rivers or Eason, you know, that offense could end up being okay. So uh, I, I'm, I like Campbell as a buy right now. I, I don't think Pittman is a great value or a bad value. I think he's valued right where he's supposed to.
2: Yeah, I think, I think Pittman kind of completes the puzzle, assuming Hilton's healthy and Campbell, to be completely honest. I mean, that you put those three together and you have your big bodied outside wide receiver and Pittman. You have your speedster and TY Hilton who can, win at every level and then you have your you know your swiss army knife and paris campbell who can do a lot of things really well and can be used in a million different ways and i mean that's a that's a really nice receiving core i i don't know that the volume is going to be there I, i think with marlon Mack and now drafting jonathan taylor the plans probably to run the ball quite a bit especially with their defense the way that team's built Um, It doesn't seem like a super pass happy offense bringing in Rivers now who, I mean, his shot put has looked desperate (laughs) the last few years. It's his his shot put numbers are getting lower and lower as we speak. So it's I still think the offense is going to be a good offense. I think it's going to be a run first offense more than anything. And um, yeah, I'm on board with buying Campbell. I think any second gets him just about everywhere. Unless I'm in a league with you, uh, don't send that. I won't accept it. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just fine with Pittman in that late first, all the way to like 204 range. He's in that group where pretty much everybody's valued like the exact same. There's like eight guys right there that are, yeah, have it's, all have all the a, same
1: value. Ayuk, Vaughn, Higgins, uh, and Mims. Uh, Mims, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's there, and there's a bunch more for me that I, I think all of them literally have the exact same
1: value. Yep. All right, before we uh, get into everyone's favorite game, Rookie! Rookie of the Vet! Before we do Rookie of the Vet, let's hear how to last longer. That's right. We're going to hear
2: from our friends at Blue Chew. Guys, are you looking to last a little longer and go a few extra rounds? We'll get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full or empty stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time in the waiting pharmacy lines. It's awkward. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here is a great deal for you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free, yep, I said free, when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 for shipping, again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE.
1: All right, so uh, let's use some rookie of to that. These are going to be veterans that survived the NFL draft, um, so we'll start off with Austin Eckler. Uh, so I guess this is vet or the rookie this time because I'm, I'm starting with the veteran. But we're doing Austin Eckler or Cam Akers. All these players that I'm or pitting against each other are drafted similar in ADP. So where are you on rookie of the vet, Eckler or Akers?
2: I know which way I should pick, but I mean, I'm pretty hard headed. So I think I have to take Cam Akers.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, I I don't love it. Uh, either way, but I think that the floor with Acres is a lot lower than Akers I mean, the floor with Eckler is a lot lower than Acres. You know, twelve months from now.
2: Yeah, I mean, you still have Justin Jackson in in, in the Chargers offense. Plus, they brought in whoever that whatever that other person was, and Akers has to beat out Henderson. And based on what we saw last year, that's probably not going to be super difficult.
1: All right, let's go on to the next one, and it is Preston Williams or A.J. Dillon.
2: Um, I was a big A.J. Dillon guy. I, I think he's a really nice two-down type back. Uh, I think he can bro- provide a little bit through the air, but I think he's essentially your your downhill two-down guy. Um, and I really liked Preston Williams last year pre-injury. I, I feel like he really proved that he belongs. I, I know that he had – you know, kind of a a weird um, past, I guess we want to call it that. Um, so I I think they're almost dead even for me. I feel like I could flip AJ Dillon easier than I could Preston Williams, um, only because Parker's still there and the Packers seem hell bent on not using Aaron Jones. So I think AJ Dillon has a pretty clean line to some solid work and and Preston's gonna be fine I just you know there, there's no draft capital there what we saw pre-injury was promising but still have Devonte Parker um you know maybe we get two of this year maybe we get him next year who knows I, I short term honestly if Fitzpatrick's the starter you could have two of these guys being like wide receiver threes or better
1: yeah I, uh, I I do lean Dylan here because I, I do think that he is in a position that if a I mean if Aaron, if Aaron Jones walks and uh, free agency, and I think that's more likely than not at this stage, I think that his value is going to skyrocket. I don't think that Preston Williams can do anything outside of like being like a wide receiver two in the NFL this year that can skyrocket his value quite like Aaron Jones walking would.
2: 100 percent yeah i think jones is gone after the season I, I think the packers have made that clear unless he wants to stick around for some sort of hometown discount which i don't know why they would do because they've they've not been loyal to him so why would he be loyal to them
1: yep all right next round wide receivers uh hollywood brown or brandon aook i'll start here because i do like both these guys but 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 i think that hollywood is the clear winner here He has the higher upside. He has the more likely to be the wide receiver one in the offense and he has the better quarterback. So all those things, uh, equal, I think it's, this is Brown pretty easily. Yeah.
2: I think I'm right there with you. The only thing that Baltimore did was bring in Devin DuVernay, who was, I mean, a slot receiver. He ran like 300% of his snaps from the slot and I think all of his targets and catches were there too. So the, the Ravens didn't really change anything at wide receiver. Uh, I'm a big fan of Brown, And Ayuk is, you know, he's fine. He gets a nice landing spot with the Niners, but obviously still having Debo in play and Kittle. And obviously, you know, the Ravens have Mark Andrews there too, but that doesn't change anything for Hollywood. And uh, I, I think for me, this is easily Hollywood.
1: Yep. All right, let's go to our next one. Todd Gurley or Justin Jefferson?
2: I think it's Jefferson for me. I feel like what he did at LSU, obviously Burrow having the historic season that he did, but we saw we saw Jefferson put up some some big boy numbers. And Ka- Gurley, I would say, is on the backside of what was a pretty darn productive career. And Jefferson's just getting started. He gets a middle-of-the-road quarterback. He doesn't go into a bad situation. He gets to work opposite Adam Phelan in some sort of hybrid offense that's more than likely going to be, I mean, I would say a 50-50 offense with, between run and pass. But, I mean, he does everything right, and, and the Vikings use draft capital to go to, to get him one of their two firsts. So it's hard to argue with that. They lose Defon Diggs. The tight end position is kind of up in the air. Dalvin Cook, obviously, is going to draw some targets. But I think Justin Jefferson's in for a, a pretty sizable role.
1: Yeah, I, I'm i definitely scared of how low uh, Gurley's value could fall. Yes, he's in a good, good situation in Atlanta, but Jefferson has a much higher floor and much higher ceiling uh, at this rate. So, yes, Gurley probably has more points in uh, 2020, but I think that the range of outcomes are much better for, for Jefferson, both on the ceiling and the floor.
2: Yeah, and I mean, Gurley's only on a one-year in Atlanta, so we could— we could see him anywhere in, in 2021. It, yeah. It, it's just the safe play, which is scary to say, I think is to go with the rookie here.
1: Yep. And we'll end with one that's probably silly, but you wanted to talk about him. So we'll do it anyway. Right, uh, Sterling Shepard or Chase Claypool.
2: Oh boy. All right, guys, we're going to have this conversation. Sterling Shepard has done nothing but produce in the NFL. He had to work opposite Odell Beckham. Then they bring in Golden Tate. Now Darius Slayton becomes a thing. And Shepard, when healthy, only produces. So for me, this is very clearly Sterling Shepard. He doesn't have any change in you know what's around him in New York. No added pass catchers. Nothing prominent. And Claypool goes into God knows what. Who knows if Ben retires? Who knows if it goes back to Mason Rudolph? You have Juju. We, I think, all believe one of Deontay Johnson or James Washington is going to become a thing. And even though the Steelers historically are very good at drafting wide receivers, of late, it seems a bit shoddy outside of Juju and, you know, prior to him. Everything's You know, it's got to change at some point. So for me, it's Shepard. I get that he's going later, but I'm buying at this valuation all day, every day.
1: I I am as well. Uh, I I think that Shepard is a great buy right now and that Claypool, I think a certain number of things have to happen in order for Claypool to be good. And one of those has to be, Basically, Deion Johnson has to bust. And I I think he's a good enough player that he's not going to be a bust. And so, yeah, I'll I'll take Shepard here for the short term production and it might even be long term production over Claypool as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. And and another potential path for Claypool to become relevant is if Eric Ebron dies. That's, you know, there's that there's that avenue
1: all right so we will wrap up the show today uh by letting you know that you can get a rotoviz radio subscription go to rotoviz.com slash radio and uh get get you a nice subscription to rotoviz all our, sub- uh, all our content and tools all that good stuff and of course you support the pod to put money in the pocket of dan to so he can buy dog food
2: that's right my dog is always hungry and uh as always we we appreciate you guys listening and Rating and reviewing obviously helps us out, shows us up a little bit higher on that board, so more people can follow, more people can listen. And uh, if you have any recommendations on on stuff to talk about or people to have on, we've we've kind of kept it to Nathan and I, or if I can't make it, Nathan gets gets a guest. But if you want us to talk with somebody, if you really want to hear an opinion or or see how we mesh with somebody in in some of these silly games or um you know any anything tell us twitter us facebook us don't facebook us uh email us do something tell us on voxer because most of you are probably in leagues with us do anything let us know we'd love to hear your feedback because like three of you have ever said anything and that's just not enough feedback
1: absolutely all right thanks so much guys for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week good
2: I think we're beyond the Hitch. Hitch is a bitch. Whoa.